I guess I could try to pretend that I'm not enjoying this, but it's just so much fun watching the Democrat Party just implode. Mitt Romney has been banned from CPAC. We're going to get to that. Good for CPAC. President Trump's approval ratings, according to Gallup, are the highest that they have ever been. But let's talk about Iowa. This may be the most humiliating moment in the history of the Democrat Party. And they've had many humiliating moments. The Democrats, they're their own worst enemy. They can't get out of their own way. So you have last night. Now we finally have some results, as we'll get to. But the, the candidates last night are celebrating on Monday night after the announcement that there was going to be no announcement, no results. So all the candidates are basically declaring themselves the winner. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. You got Amy Klobuchar talking about how well she did. Well, nobody knows how well. It turns out she did do okay, as we'll get to, but nobody knew that, and she's not even close to the winner, and not even remotely, but she's celebrating because, hey, why not? Everybody else is. Buttigieg announced that he was victorious. Nobody knows how. There is suspicion that he maybe is connected to the whole uh, app, you know, uh, malfunction, but Buttigieg somehow knew that he was victorious. Now, according to the latest results, Buttigieg is actually in the lead ahead of both Sanders and Biden. That may not last. So the point is it's a free-for-all. Anybody could say whatever they want. It's like the New York Times when they endorsed two candidates. Every candidate last night was basically endorsed because why not celebrate? Now, the big winner in this whole debacle is Joe Biden because Joe Biden was going to be clobbered and uh, he did he did come in fourth place as of now, 62% of the precincts in. It's just so embarrassing. We still don't know. It's been almost 24 hours since the Iowa caucuses and we still don't know the results. But uh, this is going to be a crushing blow for Joe Biden, which is why there are all sorts of conspiracy theories swirling. But I'm going to give you some facts. We don't need conspiracy theories because all the facts really speak for themselves. The optics are just so bad here. The Democrats don't need Russians to interfere. The the Democrats, they meddled in their own election. They don't need any help. Now, it could be what maybe this was a foreign government. Maybe somebody hacked into this app. Of course, the media refuses to bring up that possibility. If this were Trump and the Republicans, the media would be like plastered with conspiracy theories about how this was Russia and this was a hack job and this was... uh, this was election meddling and interference like they'd be speculating the entire day about how this, this this election was fraudulent. But it's the sacred Democrat Party, so they're not going to go there. I have not heard a single media pundit or analyst say, hey, maybe there was a hack here. Maybe this was done by a foreign government. It's just really, really outrageous. Now, here's the deal. Okay, as of 5 p.m., Okay, there are 62% of precincts. They told us the Democrat Party, if you believe them at all, they have virtually zero credibility here, the Iowa Democrat Party. But they're saying with 62% of the precincts reporting, Buttigieg is in the lead with about 27%, 26.9%. Bernie Sanders in second place, 25%. Warren in third place with 18%. And Joe Biden way, way down at 15%. Biden has barely more than Klobuchar. Biden at 15.6 and Klobuchar is 12.6. And look, there's a long way to go. Still got to hear from 38% of the precinct. So this is not the final tally, but Buttigieg announced he was victorious. He got a lot of heat for that. That was last night. And it turned. he says he had insider knowledge, his insider polls, whatever. Well, it turns out he right now is neck and neck with Bernie Sanders, but he's leading by about two percentage points. That is huge. What, a couple of things. Number one, the fact that Joe Biden... As, as such a pitiful uh, result. And again, we have to see what happens in the final tally, but I can only analyze what I've got so far. This is pitiful. Joe Biden, the front runner, to be at 15.6%. He's practically camped out in Iowa. He had Iowa all to himself for the last two weeks during the impeachment trial. 
and and Bernie Sanders the 25%. That tells you all you need to know about the state of the Democrat Party and Buttigieg. Buttigieg, now he's had a major ground game in, in Iowa. He spent millions and millions of dollars. But if Buttigieg, if Buttigieg, excuse me, if he stays in the lead and manages to win and has nearly double the support of Joe Biden, then Buttigieg has just stamped himself as a legitimate candidate, which I'm terrified about, by the way. Now, think about this. If, and, and Amy Klobuchar is at 12.6%, Biden at 15.6%. So give credit to Klobuchar because she has not been done that well in the polls over the past few months, yet she clearly, clearly made Iowa count. Now, how far is that going to go? I have no idea, but I think right now Klobuchar is in the lead in terms of a running mate. To being chosen as a running mate since she's female because it has to be so, it has to be a minority chosen as a running mate. So if Biden or Bernie Sanders, either one of them is the candidate, I would think Amy Klobuchar would be an excellent choice of running mate. Now, just think about this for a moment. If you had Apple running this caucus or you had Amazon or you had a private industry, you name any any private company running this election, Microsoft, you know, do you think that this catastrophe, this disaster, this train wreck of the Iowa caucuses would have happened with this malfunction of the app, and then they tried to cover it up and say, no, it wasn't a malfunction, just some of the precincts didn't report it properly, and that was turns out to be bogus. It turns out that it was a coding issue, a malfunction. We don't even know. And by, and by the way, not only do we not know, a lot of the campaigns, they didn't even let the, let the candidates know exactly what was going on. But the point is, Bernie Sanders, you know, Matt Gates said, Congressman Matt Gates, Republican, he said, if, Bernie, if, if Biden had won this instead of Bernie Sanders, you'd have the results much earlier. You know, so here are the optics. Forget conspiracy theorists. I'm just going to give you the facts. They themselves are devastating. Fact, Bernie Sanders had a clear lead in the polls, and now we see that he came in second place as of now, maybe first place. CNN Buried that poll we told you about because they would they, they left off one of the candidates. It was a, a flawed poll. CNN, that poll, it turns out Bernie Sanders came in first place. Joe Biden came in fourth place. Some callers, some listeners pointed this out. And I should have been more on top of this. But it turns out, why did CNN, we don't have CNN burying that poll. They buried that poll to protect Joe Biden. Yeah, they found this, this mess up where somebody didn't get asked about Pete Buttigieg. Think about that for a moment. Who did they leave off? Which candidate did they leave off? They left off Pete Buttigieg. Who does that benefit? The fact that they left off Pete Buttigieg inadvertently, of course. It benefits Joe Biden because Buttigieg is the alternative, the young alternative to Joe Biden. He's the other moderate, so to speak. You know, so they leave off Buttigieg and then they bury the poll because, oh, we, we can't release this poll. This poll is the gold standard in Iowa. And CNN, who are they trying to protect? All right, now I'm going into the conspiracy theory mode, but I'm just telling you your facts. Now, CNN, remember, fed Hillary the, the debate questions against Bernie Sanders in 2016. So it's not the first time CNN has conspired with the Democrat Party to try to squash uh, Bernie Sanders. Now, another fact, Hillary's senior staffer in 2016 was the developer of the app that malfunctioned in Iowa. So Hillary's fingerprints, Hillary's all over her campaign is very, very deeply connected. Hillary, she's always connected to something. It's astonishing. And then, of course, the last few days, you've had Hillary Clinton bashing Bernie Sanders, then suggesting she might not endorse him, then changing her mind. Elizabeth Warren, of course, blast Bernie Sanders of what he said about women. John Kerry, Chris Matthews, and other Democrat strategists have been blasting Bernie Sanders. They're terrified of a Bernie Sanders nomination. And by the way, Bernie Sanders' own staffers said that other candidates were teaming up to sabotage him in Iowa. So in these caucuses, because the way it works is, without getting into all the details, we actually have it in the news section, Yeah, they can kind of persuade other voters to join their group. So what they'll do is they'll like divide up. Elizabeth Warren 
has uh, more voters than she needs, so like they'll give some of her voters to Joe Biden or whoever in order, or Pete Buttigieg in order to make sure that Bernie Sanders doesn't get too big a lead. So Bernie Sanders, there are some places where he'd have like 40 or 45 percent support, but it would end up, and no other candidate even come close, but it would end up in a tie, a five-way tie, and they'd all take one delegate. And you have to go through the mathematics to understand how this works, but this really did happen. So all the facts, the optics clearly look like the Democrat Party is trying to sabotage Bernie Sanders and rig this thing. And are we surprised? Not at all. And I'll read you some details here. Sanders supporters are furious. They angrily stormed out of a caucus, calling the process a joke and a waste of time because Sanders started off with more than twice as much support as any other candidate, but they ended up in a five-way tie. And if you do the math, it works out this way because, again, I don't want to get into kind of the, the weeds, the nitty-gritty of this. But um, this is real. What's going on in Iowa right now, this is a microcosm of the entire Democrat Party. It is an embarrassment. It is humiliating. They're as incompetent. Best case scenario, they're extremely incompetent. You know, if the election were meddled or if somehow they rigged this thing, who knows? But it really, really is just an absolute circus. Now, President Trump, of course, tweeted about this. President Trump's tweet, quote, the Democrat caucus is an unmitigated disaster. Nothing works just like they ran the country. Remember the $5 billion Obamacare website that should have cost 2% of that. The only person that can claim a big victory in Iowa last night is Trump. That's the quote from his tweet. And let me point out, the most underrated story of the caucus is that Trump won by an absolute landslide. Trump won by overwhelming majority, 97 or 98 percent. Yes, Trump, there was a there was a Republican caucus. Hello, good morning. Wake up, mainstream media, totally ignoring this story. Conveniently, Joe Walsh and Bill Weld, the two primary challengers against Trump. The media was making, why is this a big deal? Of course we know Trump. He's the incumbent. Of course he's, no, 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 no. The media was making it out for the last few months as though the Trump challengers, they really have a shot. So Trump is very unpopular amongst a lot of Republicans. They don't like his tweets. They don't like his attitude. They don't like the nicknames, da, da, da. Trump obliterated these two challengers. Okay, so where's the media? The media was all over it when they thought, oh, you know what? These two challengers, they could give Trump a run for his money. He may only get 80 or 90%. He may only get 70%. No, 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 no. Uh, Trump has totally unified the Republican base, totally unified the party. Uh, all right. Um, uh, turning to a little bit of a sad note, Rush Limbaugh is sick. You may have already, you may be aware of this. Um, you know, Rush Limbaugh, of course, the very super popular, the number one talk radio show in the country, the super popular conservative talk show host. Now, President Trump has announced he's going to award Rush Limbaugh the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is a very nice gesture, of course. Rush is the founder of modern, the modern-day conservative movement. For those of you, you know, who are young in the audience, I assume you know that, you know, that Rush Limbaugh, you have Sean and you have Mark and, of course, Ben Shapiro, but Rush Limbaugh, he's really the one who started this whole movement, and he created the current talk radio format. Now, I want to be clear, there was conservative talk radio before Rush Limbaugh on a local level, where you have people like Bob Grant, Barry Farber, and others, you know, conservative talk radio hosts, who they would kind of, you know, do the same, they'd have a dial, they'd have a monologue, and then, you know, they would take calls and have guests and whatever. But Rush Limbaugh, he took it to a whole different level back in the late 80s, you know, where he actually had this national show on 300 radio stations, first conservative talk show host that I'm aware of to ever do that, millions and millions of listeners, and his, his show has just grown and just exploded in popularity over these last 30 years. And he really, really is the leader of the modern-day conservative movement. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Now, just on a personal note, 
I, when I was in high school, I used to I'd bring my radio to yeshiva. I confess, you know, and I'd have like this like little you know uh, you know uh, pocket radio with headphones. And during breaks, I would I would listen to Rush Limbaugh, and that's a big part of what inspired me to be doing this hotline. Interestingly, here all these years later, you know, so definitely had influence on my life on a personal level. Mitt Romney uh, is being banned from CPAC. I am so happy about this because they should totally ostracize Mitt Romney. He does not deserve deserve to be anywhere near the conservative movement or even the Republican Party. He's a sellout. He is a traitor, Mitt Romney. I, and, I, and I mean this I, I, with every fiber of my being. And, and I'll tell you, I don't like knocking people. I, don't, I certainly don't like knocking conservatives. I think you know this, and I really much rather focus on the positive Knocking, I'm sorry, Republicans. He's no conservative, but uh, he has proven that. But, but, um, and and I never really believed. You know, he was he, he he's the guy who who was behind as Massachusetts governor. He basically created uh, the statewide version of Obamacare. Obama actually based Obamacare on. Do you, do you are you aware of this? That when Romney was governor of Massachusetts, he created a government-run healthcare system. Which Obamacare in model Obamacare is modeled off of Mitt Romney's, which is why Mitt Romney, big part of why he lost, he lost because he was a bad candidate in, in 2012. But a big part of it was he was talking about repeal and replace Obamacare, and Obama says repeal and replace. You were the one who created the, uh, the 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 original Obamacare over there in Massachusetts, and Romney tried to distinguish and say, well, that was different. It's done by the state, not by the federal government. It was so weak, it was pitiful when Romney tried to say he would have been better off saying, listen. I messed up. Wow, that was such a dumb plan that I had in Massachusetts. He did not do that. He tried to split hairs. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing here, but Mitt Romney uh, has been disinvited to CPAC. Let me read you the tweet here because he's totally betrayed the party and the conservative movement. Matt Schlapp, who leads the organization behind CPAC. CPAC, of course, is the big conservative conference. Here's the tweet, quote, the extreme conservative and junior senator from the great state of Utah Rom, Mitt Romney is formally not invited to CPAC 2020. Now, when he says extreme conservative, you know, he's mocking. Those were Romney's words. He's mocking that. And Schlapp said, CPAC formally disinvites someone who has been particularly egregious. Sounds like Schlapp's been listening to the Yaakov M show. Mitt Romney deserved this because his Senate tenure is a waste and his vote was the latest outrage. I honestly believe that Romney should just be tossed out of the party. Now, you're going to say, well, we need him. We need him because what if... We only have a 51 to 49 majority because right now he's a total he's, he's a worthless vote. And you never know if he's going to be with us or against us. And, and, and same thing with Susan Collins. Susan Collins has it now. But at least Susan Collins, she always plays moderate. This is who she is. Romney, he's a phony. Can we just call it? Can I just call a spade a spade? And um, and Su- and I really am trying so hard. Be positive, Yaakov. Be positive, Yaakov. You know, Susan Collins, she announced that she's going to vote to acquit Trump. What about Romney? Is he going to vote to acquit Trump? If, if Romney votes to impeach Trump. To, 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 to throw Trump out of office, votes with the Democrats on Wednesday, then that's it. He's done in my book. But either way, he's already done. Okay. Uh, and look, we need them to pass the judges, to get the judges confirmed. I understand that. And, and I don't think we could technically toss him out of the party. I don't, I don't know how the rules work, but that's probably not going to happen. He's like a registered Republican. But it, it's really very, 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 very disturbing. Okay, tonight, of course, is the big State of the Union address. What can we expect? Here's what I'm going to—let me just say this to President Trump. Mr. President— you have every right to blast the Democrats in the State of the Union address. I, I, I don't want to hear about, well, the high road. Take the high road. Be classy. Don't mention impeachment. What does that mean? This is the high road. We spent how many years here with the country, half the country, talking about throwing the man out of office, 
it's finally over, right? I mean, that's it. What, what are the Democrats going to do now? You wonder about that? They impeached him. They've, we've been hearing about it for years. The I word impeach, Nixon, Watergate, da da da. And uh, it happened. It's done. And he's acquitted. And not only is he acquitted, but the Democrat Party has been humiliated as the poll numbers that we're going to show you demonstrate. So now, doesn't he get to gloat? Okay, this whole thing has been an abysmal failure, this whole impeachment for the Democrats. It's been wildly successful for Trump's fundraising, for Trump's approval numbers. So doesn't Trump have every right to say, to defend himself and to say, listen, and and to even blast the Democrats and say, look what this party has wasted all your taxpayer dollars, all your time, all their energy, instead of passing bills, instead of trying to help the country, which is broken in so many ways, these Democrats have been a total embarrassment. They're, we're a laughing stock to the rest of the world. You know, why doesn't he have a right to say that? Because he has to take the high road. That's how I, now, now I, I don't think he should spend all night on it, and I think he should do it in a positive way. I'm not saying that he should start calling them nicknames. I am, I'm not saying he shouldn't be presidential. I'm not saying he shouldn't get up there and show some dignity. That's fine. But he can still discuss it. He can still take the opportunity on this world stage to blast the people who have been persecuting him for all this time. That's my opinion. I'm open to your thoughts. Now, I think that Trump should tout his achievements. I think that Trump should tout all of his victories and the bipartisan stuff like the USMCA. He could talk about China. He and he could talk about the border and Mexico and Guatemala. But he certainly has every right. The Democrats, see, they've stooped to a whole new level. This is beyond politics. This transcends like any policy differences the Democrats have, they're like a mortal enemy to me. I look at the Democrats like with the Chinese. I'm sorry. I have a lot of caffeine in me today. But it's like the Chinese, North Korea, Kim Jong-un, the Democrats. I mean I mean it. And maybe you'll tell me that I'm being too strong here. Maybe. Okay. They have, they've made an enemy of Trump and they've tried, they have now diminished the presidency because now the president, not Trump, but the next president, he's going to always be looking over his back. He's always going to be wondering, who's he dropping on my phone call? Maybe I shouldn't pressure other countries because I'm going to get impeached. Every move they make now, you know, it's like, well, the president's beholden to Congress because, uh-oh, what if they impeach? They've diminished impeachment because now impeachment is a joke because now you can impeach for anything. Okay, so I have no problem with Trump just blasting this party who they really set out to destroy him and his family, and they failed, but that's what they tried to do. Trump's approval, according to Gallup, Gallup, okay? Gallup is a mainstream media poll, well, a mainstream polling service, I should say, but the point is that Trump is at the highest, his highest approval numbers since he took office. Gallup, until now, before now, his high on Gallup was 46%. Trump is at 49%. That poll was released today. So this is not Rasmussen. This is not a biased poll in favor of Trump. By the way, Rasmussen is not biased. I take back what I just said. But people claim that Rasmussen, oh, it always favors conservatives. There's scientific reasons for that. Rasmussen is probably more accurate than all the others. But my point is that Gallup, if anything, you know, it's certainly not biased in favor of Trump. It might even be slanted against him. But either way, he's ahead of Obama. Obama, at this point in his presidency um, was not at 49%. Now, Trump's previous high of 46% happened in May after the release of the Mueller report. So he's three points above that. The the boost is largely because of independents, Republicans and independents. And listen to this. Amongst Republicans, 94% approve of Trump's job performance. That's up 88% in the last few weeks. And among independents, among independents, 42% of independents in this poll uh, support Trump. That's up from 37% in early January. Now, again, you have Republicans who are on the fence and you have independents. Those independents, that's a huge number because it shows you how much the impeachment has turned independents in Trump's favor. Not far enough, but much further than we were.
and even the last few weeks. It shows you that the impeachment trial, the Republicans played it exactly right. Um, yeah, Obama was at 46% approval at this point in his presidency. Listen to this from CNN. CNN says, wow, CNN's like Trump is, is even higher than Obama, quote, which is absolutely remarkable given the first three plus years of Trump's presidency and the fact that he became just the third president in history to be impeached by the House. So, and then the Democrat-led impeachment effort likely contributed to Trump's strengthening numbers. And, uh, you know, then they say you see it most clearly in the fact that Republicans approve of Trump's job performance. CNN is missing the point here. You know, first of all, they say, wow, look at Trump's presidency. How it's remarkable that he's ahead of Obama. What about Trump? What are they trying to say? Well, Trump, what a disaster of a presidency. What, his successes on the border? His successes obliterating ISIS? Trump tax cuts, the economy that's booming, like which killing Soleimani, killing al-Baghdadi, which of Trump's terrible, terrible presidency are they referring to CNN? But this is what they say. Wow, this is shocking that he has a higher number. What do you expect? But then they say, well, it's the impeachment because look at the Republicans. Well, look at the independents. And furthermore, what they're missing is they're missing the bigger picture over here. The reason that it's so shocking that Trump has such high approval numbers and the reason his approval numbers have never gotten too high is because of the negative media coverage. Every positive thing Trump does, the media gives reports three negative stories and ignores the positive. Can you imagine if Trump actually did have a mediocre presidency? I mean, the media would literally make him out to be like another Jimmy Carter. All right, there's a councilman in Tampa, city councilman, who said these, this egregious, just despicable anti-Semitic slur. And, and I just it shows you also the mindset of these anti-Semites. They're, they're just, they're, they're so twisted. They're, they're, it's almost a mental illness, I think. But, and I don't mean that to excuse it in any way. I mean that in a very disparaging way. But listen to what he said. This Orlando Gudes, the Tampa City Councilman, he was talking about some governor contractor apparently ripped off the government, or at least this, this city councilman, Orlando Gudes, felt that he was ripped off, that they were ripped off. He said, quote, we're getting Jewed during a conversation with a Tampa Bay Times reporter. So he's saying this to a reporter. This is what I want to show you. Is Number one, he, he's saying it to a reporter. So that shows you how much this is like so natural to him. And number two, if you look at his, when he excuses it and he tries to defend it, and he, and he, I don't even, he eventually apologized. And of course he met with local Jewish leaders. And to me, it's outrageous that the Jewish leaders, not, not from leaders, but local Jewish leaders would meet him. But um, he used this term speaking to a reporter. So it's not like, all right, you want to tell me, it's, it's terrible no matter what. I don't mean to defend it. It's terrible no matter what. It's, 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 it's heinous, despicable, but... If you're saying it to a reporter, you're, you're, you're alert. Your antenna is supposed to be up and in high gear when you're speaking to a reporter. So it shows you that like he doesn't even, it's, it's just so a part of him, ingrained in him, right? So here's what he said, we're getting Jude, right? So then they try, then he tried to backtrack and he, he basically begged the reporter when he realized that he shouldn't say it. And, and the reporter, of course, this was published. But um, here's what he said in defense, quote, Sometimes people use the words, I got Jude, meaning by a Jewish person, and I thought someone could take that the wrong way. Let's not go down that road. Okay, I'm not a racist. So he doesn't explain anything here, except basically he's saying, what, meaning by a Jewish person? Like, it's like it's fine for him. Like, as long as you're not, you could say, I got Jude, as long as you're not referring to a Jewish person who did it. Hello? I mean, have you ever heard of anything so astonishingly bizarre? I mean, just ridiculous, absurd. Oh, well, I, I wasn't talking about a Jew. The, the guy who did it was non-Jewish. I could say I Jewed him. He was Jew, he Jewed us. I mean, we were Jewed, whatever. It is really, really sickening. And then he said, I was just talking in the moment because I was passionate about it. Oh, well, you were passionate about it. You know, he said 
he had no intent. He, he was just, he, he had no intent. Just absolutely sickening, sickening. What does it show you? What, what is this man thinking? He's thinking, well, I, I can like use the word. I can use the term. I was passionate, right? Can you imagine someone saying, I'm sorry that I used the N-word. I was just passionate. But it, but it shows he doesn't even realize what was wrong with it. He doesn't even realize he's, he's, he's a degenerate anti-Semite bigot you know, sickening human being. And like, he doesn't even know what's, what the problem is. Well, I was just being passionate. Well, I just said it, I said it about a non-Jew. I didn't say people are going to take it the wrong way. I'm not a racist. I, I don't know how else to describe how sickening this, 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 this human being is. Now, in October, something similar happened in Trenton, New Jersey. The Trenton City Council President, Kathy McBride, she said that an attorney for the city had gotten a preferable settlement in a certain case, because the attorney was able to Jew the plaintiff down. And the attorney happened to be Jewish, but Jewish, that's totally irrelevant. And this McBride, her colleagues, defended her. So I just, this is really this epidemic. You know, you're talking about politicians. And, and, and this is how they look at Jews. And, and again, they're so twisted that they don't even know what they're doing. I mean, they don't even know what they're saying, which is not an excuse in, in any way. Okay, I do want to talk about the UK and this whole uh, terrorism policy that they have where they release terrorists from prison early because I think I didn't maybe explain the situation as, as well as I could. I've given you all the details because we told you that Boris Johnson has pledged and other British politicians have pledged to change the rules, to change the laws. They have this law where they release terrorists from prison early and then we've seen multiple times here these terrorists go back, go out and get released from jail and then carry out terror attacks and, and murder people and they were released early. And, and 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 there's actually this law. So, you know, a caller, li- listener left me a voicemail saying, listen, the UK got it right. This man, he was publishing uh, terrorist material online. So at least he was in jail for that. And the caller said, listen, you know, may- maybe they couldn't even charge him with that. That's not really a crime the way he didn't actually do anything violent. And then the caller said they were actually trailing him. So I want to be very clear here. This man was released from prison after serving just half of his term. He was actually thrown into jail on 16 counts of terror-related offenses. It was the possession and distribution of terrorist documents, basically, and online videos and terrorist propaganda, and they they let him out after half of his sentence was done. So yeah, then they had people trailing him. Okay, very nice. You let him out, and then you have people trailing him, and they claim that somehow they get indoctrinated with more terrorism when they're in jail. I don't care. Figure it out. Put them in solitary confinement. Don't release them out of jail because you worry that in jail they're going to become more radicalized. You know there are terrorists going in. So this man, he was literally released, this Sudesh Haman, who put on this fake suicide bomb vest and then uh, stabbed two people and would have done a lot more if these people weren't trailing him. He was released from prison a few days before the attack. He served half of his sentence. Half of his sentence. Now, and the same thing, the same thing happened uh, about two months ago, right? Same idea in the London Bridge uh, terror attack. So, and by the way, the former head of UK counter-terror police says that more dangerous people are being released from British prisons with terror convictions than returning from fighting for ISIS in Syria. So literally you have ISIS fighters in Syria coming into the UK and some of them are terrorists, but you actually have more terrorists being released early from jail. So they have this policy. Now this policy, very, very often, it's, they automatically get released from jail. So it's not even like a parole board. One of the things that was pledged was we're going to change the policy. Now a parole board is going to review when these terrorists get out early. So we're not going to release them without, you know, just automatically. I mean, hello? Are you kidding me? Boggles the mind. You're telling me it wasn't reviewed by a parole board? No, that's the rule. The rule is they get automatically, as long as there's good behavior, you know, and they, and they, they write up some kind of document claiming that they reformed themselves. Big deal. 
and then they just get released without even a review board. So now this is the big policy change that they're going to make. Well, now it's going to be reviewed by a parole board. Wow, wonderful. You're actually going to review by parole board before you release these terrorists. It is just totally, totally outrageous. And uh, and, and now instead of half, half their sentence, they're going to change it to two-thirds. Why would you ever release a terrorist one day early? And as far as the point of, listen, how much can you charge a guy in jail? Let's say he did serve his full term. You know, he, he was only in possession of terrorist documents. I'm sorry. You got to make laws. that, And the same thing in the United States. Any terror-related offense automatically punishable by, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. Well, how can you be so cruel to somebody who was just dis- distributing terrorist documentation? I- I'm sorry. This is a no-brainer. Is anything terrorism-related, that is an act of war against the country, and you give the harshest possible sent prison sentence, and you do not let them out early, ever. It is inexcusable. So this is the UK, you know, it, it's becoming more stringent. So instead of uh, automatic, now it's going to be reviewed by a parole board. And instead of half their term, they're going to be released after serving two-thirds of their prison sentence. We're talking about radical Islamic terrorists. That tells you all you need to know. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.